All the talk, all the time. Carefully designed to stimulate the mind. This is TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Our guest today, Dr. Matthew Johnson, author of Positive Parenting with a Plan. See, uh, Dr. G, where can people get your book? They can find it via my website at www.family-rules, R-U-L-E-S, family-rules.com. Perfect. And you do an 11-hour workshop. You still doing that? Um, I do um, 80 seminars a year. Wow. So I guess if a person was interested, they could come to your website and get a hold of you and get that lined up. Yeah, come to the website, click on um, upcoming seminars, and then it's usually posted two, three months in advance where I'll be speaking. You know, without just slavery and chores for kids, I've always felt like a growth of chores, you know, like you do more as you're growing up, and it really helps your sense of responsibility. What do you think about that for raising kids in a family? Well, I think that's very important, and I think family needs to understand that family contributes to the overall well-being of the household. And so as kids do get older, they need to share in the chores. But I also encourage with this program that mom and dad write down their chores too, um, not because they don't do anything around the house, but because if they post the kids' chores and they don't post their own, they're going to hear from their kids, what do you do around here? We yeah. do it all. Yeah. Nice. So, um, that's, that's very nice because that just cuts it out. And, you know, usually the parents are going to have quite a bit more than the kids, even doing the bills. You know, if you give them an idea how many hours or how much struggle that is, that, you know, that could be good. I think it also, exactly. Yeah, I think it also gives the kids an idea of how much parents really are contributing to the house because I think a lot of times kids don't even realize it. Exactly. So you put it right there in front of their face and then, they look at your list of chores and then theirs, and they don't complain anymore yeah. because they realize just how much you are doing. That's right. Great great advice. You know, um, my dad, um, when I was growing up all through high school until I went on to college and all that, uh, with all of us kids, there was four of us, every day he was home, he would come in and tuck us all in, you know, just house everything, check us out, give us a kiss or hug or whatever, and he did that every day, and I think it did us a lot of good. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's very, very important. And as I said earlier, the number two role of parenting, a very close second, is that of friend. And I think it's very important to be affectionate with your children, to praise your children, to reward your children, to um, um, kid around with your kids, um, you know, be a good friend. But they need to know disciplinarian always comes first. So... I guess there's a difference between rewarding and bribing. What is that difference? Well, the difference is um, a bribe is when you pay off the police officer so he doesn't take you to jail, or you pay off the judge so you win the case, or you give kickbacks to the county commissioner so your business lands a contract with the local county government. On the other hand, a reward is when you give something that's positive to a kid for the desired attitude and behaviors that you want to see in them. After they've done it? Yes. Like, like after, they... They, after they have engaged in the behavior and attitude that you want them to engage in, yeah. then um, you reward. 
it's like a way of saying thanks. Yep. And and that reward isn't necessarily always to be expected. Is that right? Correct. You don't reward them for everything they do. But the problem is in negative parenting without a plan, where parents are flying by the seat of their pants, parenting with mood and energy levels, they often hone in on the negative rather than the positive. Right. So they're quick to punish and quick to hand out the discipline, but not the rewards. And so we need to um, approach parenting with balance. Yes. What... um you know, you're in the mix of this. How, how much do you think peer pressure influences kids? Um, peer pressure influences kids in a negative or positive way. Yep. And it's just a matter of who you allow your kids to hang out with. And that is not the child's choice, by the way. If you can give your kids the expectation that you expect them to hang out with kids who are engaged in positive attitudes and behaviors. And if you find them hanging out with kids who aren't, then they will not be hanging out with those kids. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, gee, I can't believe the kids my, my kids are hanging out with. Uh, well, then do something about it. You know, letting them know ahead of time, this is, you know, you can hang around kids that ha- are a good behavior, but if you don't, we're going to take some steps ahead of time really helps, doesn't it? It does. And if you let them know what you expect ahead of time, it often shapes the choices they make. Yep. Yep. You're you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Our guest today is Dr. Matthew Johnson, Positive Parenting with a Plan. So have you noticed that the amount uh, uh, that, um, families that are doing this plan of yours, the family rules program, do you notice that they're having less problems with their kids with drugs and premature sex, etc.? Yes. Um, I actually have a free parent listserv on my website where um, parents can support and encourage one another. And there is story after story after story of how parents went um, with kids who had behavioral and attitudinal problems and drug problems, et cetera, et cetera, and how they um, got a handle on their kids and how everyone is behaving really well now and, and getting along. So it, it helps a lot. You must be pretty satisfied with the results of your work. Um, I am. I get emails from parents and professionals every day. Um, my kids are pretty much straight-A students, kick-butt athletes, active in their church youth group. Um, very wonderful kids, and um, it, it's very easy to um, just be their friend and play around with them, and etc. Because I don't have to worry about their behaviors and attitudes because they know what their expectations are, and they do a good job of complying. So you know, don't have to engage in a whole lot of management that way. That's great. You mentioned youth residential treatment. Uh, what's that all about? Well, the youth residential treatment is, you know, we took our teeth away from ourselves. When about a good 40 years ago, we passed laws to protect children from being abused. And, by the way, children need to be protected from being abused. I was abused as a child. I didn't like it. But we unknowingly and blindly threw the baby out with the bathwater when we did that about 40 years ago. And we bound the hands of parents. We put them in a state of parental paralysis. That's right. and for the first time on planet Earth, they were told, if you do with your kids today what's been done throughout human history, we will remove your kid from the home. 
And so they told Dad what he couldn't do, but never bothered to tell Dad what he could do. So we took away the teeth, and the kids became empowered. And, and you know, if you do that, I'm going to call Child Protective Services and turn you in. And so this parenting program gives parents the teeth and to put the fear of God back into their kids without laying one hand of corporal punishment on them. And it simply boils down to um, the threat, a serious threat, a meaningful threat, that if you do not comply with our authority, we will send you away to a long-term residential treatment facility where you will live for a good year or two or three until you learn to comply with adult authority. Will the uh, states uh, go with that? Is that always, if, if things are just out of hand enough, will they just take the child? And and, uh, and how nice is that place to be? Um, there are residential treatment facilities all over the planet. The state, um, if the state has custody of the kid, you can't do that with the kid because the state decides what happens to the kid. But if the, the kid is in the parent's custody, which is more often the case, yeah. then the parent can send the kid wherever the parent wants to because they're the parents and it doesn't matter what the state wants. And are they nice places to be? Oh, no. No, these places, these are like kitty prisons. These are, these are places that are going to get all over their behaviors and attitudes and their academics and make them toe the line and make them... Um, behave and comply with adult authority and then once they get that down they get to go back home so this is not sending them off to some kind of resort or vacation place this is you know you're going to go and you're going to have your attitudes and behaviors changed now the good news is 95 percent of the kids that i've worked with over the last 22 years the fear of being sent away has kept them from being sent away Yes. So they get their act together. Yes. Exactly. But they have to look into mom and dad's eyes, and sometimes the counselor's eyes if the family is in counseling, and they have to believe that those adults mean what they say, and then that fear of being sent away works. Wow. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Dr. Matthew Johnson, Positive Parenting with a Plan. You can get his uh, information and book at www.family-rules.com. So um, can you tell us about your experience uh, up in Alaska? Um, my outdoor experience? Yes, that one. Yeah, that actually occurred in Oregon. Oh, it did? Yeah, I did live in um, Alaska for 20 years, and it was just after we moved down from Alaska to Oregon. Within six months, we were um, hiking up on a mountain above the Oregon Caves National Monument Park, and um, we um, had an encounter with the big hairy guy. As in a Bigfoot. As in a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot. Yep, exactly. It's amazing that they uh, find footprints all over the country and how few sightings there are. Um, actually, I learned a lot since that sighting, which happened on July 1st, 2000. Um, there's actually been over 10,000 reported sightings in North America since 1950. And actually, they go back way before then because... There's a long, um, hundreds and hundreds of years of oral history among the American Native population of yeah. interacting with these animals. You know, I had a good friend, and she was raised on an Indian reservation. And one day, one of the 
people that lived there disappeared. And years later, he came back. You know, he was a young man, and his he, his hair was totally white, and he was strange. And he said that a female Sasquatch kidnapped him and had him as her man for, um, what, two or three years it was, and he escaped, and <laughs> he was never the same, I'll tell you. But, you know... It was true in that community that that happened and, and the incredible change that happened to him. Wow. How far away were you from him? Um, about a good 90 to 100 feet. Um, we had been hiking up um, the mountain through very thick forest and, and very dense um, brush. And we heard, well, actually we smelled um, the animal first, which was very putrid. And then um, we um, heard it making some very deep mammal bass guttural sounds, kind of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hmm. And eventually, um, no noise, no smells, no anything. Kids stopped to take a rest, playing with a bug in the dirt. And I, um, Mother Nature was knocking on my door. So I had to hike up off the trail a good 50, 60 feet away from the family behind some broken trees yeah. to do my thing. And then was scanning uh, along the trail that we came up to see if I could see whatever it was that was making that noise. And then that's when I saw it walk from behind one tree, 1,001, 1,002, over to another tree, looked out from behind that big tree and was watching the family down on the path. So you got a good look at it. Was it very big or really hairy? Or? Very tall, very hairy, um, walked upright, bipedal. I've been asked by some people, how do you know it's not a bear? And my response is, well, I lived in Alaska for 20 years. Sure. I know black bear. I know grizzly bear. I was chased by a grizzly bear once. And um, what I saw was most definitely not a bear. So is it uh, hairy like a bear, but more a human form? Um, upright, bipedal, um, kind of ape-like, but it has human characteristics. I think probably more so just because it was it was so you know human like in its walking and in its intelligence and um, we've conducted research expeditions over the last seven years since that time and have come across two family groups several foot casts bedding areas a hand cast um, I have a cast of you know the male the female the young one with dermal ridges. Um, We've had them scream at us at night sometimes and um, some very positive results and we continue to work and our, our hope is to someday prove the existence of this species so we can um, get it um, put on the endangered species list and get its habitat protected. So what made you, um, what gave you the conclusion of his intelligence? Um, with the research that we've been doing over the last seven years, if you saw what we saw, um, these things are very, very smart. Um, they will avoid the deer cams. They will walk around them. Um, they can see infrared light, so they won't hit our big piles at night when we have the infrared cameras on. But when we turn them off, they'll hit the, the big pile. <laughs> huh. That's great. Um, so what we're needing to do is get the money to get some Gen 4 camera equipment so we don't deal with the infrared lighting so we can get them on film. 
Isn't that something? And and are they pretty much all over the place? Um, actually, there's several areas in North America where they have been sighted, not just um, California, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. They've been spotted all over Canada, southeast Alaska, Pennsylvania, Ohio, um, Carolinas, upstate New York, Florida, east Texas. So when you saw this uh, Bigfoot, did you see intelligence in its eyes? Did you get that good of a look? No, I didn't get that good of a look. No, definitely it, not that good of a look. Is that your only view of him or of any? Actually, um, that's my only view. Hold on, but, we're um, going to come, we'll take a break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Uh, your spiritual lifestyle experts airing Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Dr. Matthew Johnson, Positive Parenting with a Plan, and we'll be right back. 